Good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday to you. Good to see you. My name is Tim Harris, pastor of Woodburn Baptist Church. It's 10 o'clock. Time for Tim with Tim. We do 10 minutes a day, verse by verse, through the Word of God. Today we're in Acts chapter 17, verses 16 to 33. Uh, Paul on Mars Hill. Paul is in Athens. I really love this passage. I love this passage, obviously, because of its value in uh, just... It's a master class in missions, a master class in evangelism and how to do it, how to talk to unbelievers. It's just beautiful. But I also love the way in, in this passage, I feel like I'm watching Paul's brain work, you know? Uh, I don't know what it is about this passage for me, but everywhere else, Paul just seems like this amazing, you know, missionary beast, you know, who just goes out in full gear and... Uh, but but here he seems slower, methodical. Uh, I feel like there's I just like I have a sense of psychology in this passage when it comes to Paul that I just don't see in the other passages. I mean it's all good, but you know what I'm saying? This is different. This is a different side of Paul, and uh, and, and I, I and I really rather uh, admire it. While Paul was waiting for Timothy and Silas uh, to join him, they, remember he left them in Berea. Uh, he's in Athens, and verse 16 says he was deeply troubled. The Greek says he was pained in spirit because he sees all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. Um, I, I think evangelism starts with a burden, you, you know? Um, when's the last time you were, I mean, shocked, alarmed, just brokenhearted over the spiritual conditions surrounding you? I don't mean when's the last time you watched Fox News and thought, man, the world's going to hell in a handbasket and you stayed mad all day. I'm not talking about that. I, I'm talking about uh, a, a broken heart for the spiritual condition of the world around you, your family, your community, this city, our state, our nation. You know, um, when's the last time you were moved to tears or, or moved to action or, or moved to words? I, I mean, you know, uh, this passage begins with this burden. Paul just has this burden for the lostness of, uh, of, of the city of Athens. In, in, in so many ways, the Greek culture, I mean, Athens is the whole seat of Greek culture here. And his heart just breaks for it. He sees all of these idols and just recognizes the spiritual lostness of, of people, and, and, and it breaks his heart. You know, I think that the real reason that most believers don't take Jesus to the world is that deep down they don't think the world needs Jesus. I mean, let's just be honest. Most of us are content to read our Bibles, go about our days, and, and we can go days, weeks, months, years. Some of you can go your entire life and never tell another living soul about Jesus. So you can't tell me that in any serious way you think that the world needs Jesus. I mean, I, mean, I don't know how you could know Jesus. I don't know how you could have your life changed by Jesus. I mean, after what he's done for you, you, you don't want anybody else to have him do the same thing for them? You know, I mean, how much do you have to just not care about people in order to keep the good news of Jesus to yourself? Paul just has this broken heart, you know, for the people. And, and that's where the whole passage begins. And, and I think that's amazing. As I say, I love that moment of where just Paul's alone and Paul is walking and Paul is in the city not preaching. And, and, and not the center of attention, but you get this idea of what goes on inside the man's heart, which leads him to, to preach and, and, and to be the missionary that we know he is. He goes to the synagogue first, 
He always does. That's going to be Paul's pattern. Um, in our own lives, I think sometimes it's harder to go to the people closest to you, but that's exactly what Paul is doing. Make no mistake. He's going to the Jews. He's going to his people, the ones with whom he has the most in common, the ones who have the Old Testament background, the ones who should recognize their Messiah. He goes straight to the Jews. Uh, I think that you and I should start closer to home. Um, I, I love missions and our church loves missions. And I love the fact that we you know, spend so much more than half of every dime that comes in Woodburn Baptist Church goes out for missions. I love that. I just love that. But I never want us to forget the people right here in our, you know, hyper-local area, the ones within the shadow of our steeple, the ones that we can walk across the street and be on their porch, you know. But in so many ways, for whatever reason, the people closest to you can be the hardest to reach, the hardest to talk to. You know, I would almost rather get on a plane and fly to Haiti, you know, and talk to somebody else's neighbors, talk to people I'm never going to have to see at Myers. You know, uh, it's so much more difficult, but this is what Paul does. Paul starts with the synagogue. He starts with the people closest to him and goes from there. From there, it says he goes daily to the public square, the marketplace. He goes to where the people are. He goes where the lost people are. Um, this is what we don't do well. You know, I, I guess because we got the message from the culture that they don't want to hear it, that that turns people off and on and on we go. I understand Paul wasn't out there by invitation and, and it got necessarily, you know, he wasn't always met with a, you know, rounding, you know, standing ovation. You know, I mean, he's, he's thrown in jail half the time. So don't be thinking that it was a popular thing then. It's just that when you really want to tell people about Jesus, you'll find a way and you'll have the boldness again. I just say you and I probably don't really think the world needs Jesus or we'd be taking Jesus to the world. Um, from there, uh, he, uh, he debates with the, uh, the Epicurean, the, the Stoic philosophers, uh, and then ultimately he's taken up to the Areopagus, to the high council where the, all the smart guys sit you know, and, and debate. It's the, the seat of ideas and literally the, the seat of Western democracy. I mean, this is where every, every, you know, all of our... A cultural tradition has its roots here where Paul is. And, uh, so he's talking with the shakers and the movers, the cultural thinkers, the influencers, and, and, and all of that. When Paul has the opportunity to speak, I'm just amazed at the way he frames the gospel. And, and again, I think we should learn something here. Um, notice that he spent a lot of time observing and listening before he started talking. So when Paul starts talking, he instantly makes a connection with, you know, my goodness, I've been walking around your beautiful city and I, I couldn't help but notice all of the idols. And, and while I was looking at the idols, I noticed one empty altar. And I found it very interesting because you have an empty altar there, you know, which says to the unknown God. And if I could take just a moment, I'd like to uh, tell you about this God that you don't know. <laughs> you know that, boom, that is so beautiful. That's so masterful. You know, I think our problem is we start trying to tell people the answers, and they're not so sure we, we know what the questions are, and, and truly we don't. We want to run out there and tell everybody in the world that Jesus is the answer, but we don't have a clue what questions are asking. And honestly, if we if, if we actually took time to listen to the questions, we'd probably be so horrified we wouldn't know where to start. But not Paul, not Paul. Paul goes straight to, uh, to the question. And honestly, right there in their pantheon of gods, you know, they have, you know, altar after 
altar, idol after idol, and then this one big empty altar, which is this giant question mark right in the middle of their pantheon of gods, a giant question mark, you know, this empty altar. And Paul says, I'd like to talk to you about that empty altar. I'd like to talk to you about that God that you say you don't know. May I please tell you who he is? He is the maker of everything. He, he made all the races from one blood. I, I, I love that line from uh, verse 26. From one blood, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they would rise and fall. Again, Paul starts with this unknown God, you know, and begins explaining to them the creator God, the God above all of these little idols that they have, the God who in so many ways is far beyond any of our imaginations, which is why you can't have an idol of him. But at the same time, he is so very near to all of us. He's not far away. I, mean, I, I just love this. And then Paul takes it right to it, you know, and, and because of this God, uh, everyone must repent. You know, and one day, you know, you know, stand before the judge that he has appointed and raised from the dead. That's verse 31. I think it's interesting that Paul never says the name of Jesus on the Areopagus. Uh, it's obviously a choice that he makes. He mentions the resurrection and the judge whom God has appointed, but he never really mentions Jesus's death for sins or, or even the name of Jesus. I, I think it's interesting. I, I, I think that, again, Paul is hoping to gain another hearing you know, to lay out uh, the, the, the seeds of the gospel in such a way where he can come back and have another shot at it. Uh, I know, I know some of you don't like that. You know, it's just like, no, no, you got to say the name of Jesus. You know, no, no, you, you got to have an invitation. And, and, and Paul, uh, again, he, he stops short. I, I feel like he uh, is led by the Holy Spirit in a masterful way. And I, and I think he does the most amazing job of of uh, pre-evangelizing people who've never heard anything at all about the name of Jesus. And, and honestly, um, when he even mentions the resurrection, now they're laughing. He, you know, he, he lost them there, you know. But at the same time, they're willing to hear more. And, and I think that's always the goal. I mean, I mean, the goal is to bring them to Jesus, right? But, but I don't know if everybody's going to come to Jesus after one, you know, evangelistic presentation. I, I think... I think most people who come to Jesus, they come to Jesus more slowly, not after hearing him one time, you know. Most people who come to Jesus, to be honest, come to Jesus because of a friendship with a Christian who is genuine and warm and unembarrassed, you know. And, and over time and, and over, you know, watching their life, you, you begin to be drawn to this Jesus who is so evident in the life of this believer um, again, I think sometimes we think, you know, we get one shot at it, you know, but honestly, it's, it's a life on mission that you and I live. And uh, Paul leaves them wanting more. And, and uh, in that sense, I think, I think it's a win for the gospel. Make no mistake, though. He still uh, sees converts even on that day. Dionysus, a member of the council, Damaris, a woman of the council, and then others with them. So we don't know how many converts he made, but it wasn't a dry run, y'all. He led people to Jesus that day with this presentation. I think it's really pretty fantastic. Um, I, I just love it. Like I say, I feel like I'm watching the inside of, of a master missionary uh, as he uh, uh, goes from different situations and, uh, and still manages to preach. Uh, he doesn't quote the Old Testament here. You notice that? Because they're not Jews. The Old Testament has no authority in their minds. 
and, and it's just, a, it's a, it's a, he's, he stepped into a different world, but he manages to take the gospel with him in a way that's beautiful. Uh, so anyway, I'd love to know what you're thinking about it. I think it's amazing. Pick up right here tomorrow, um, uh, Acts chapter 18, verses 1 to 17. Paul's going to go to Corinth and there uh, he'll be with uh, Aquila and Priscilla. I love this. Uh, Acts chapter 18, verses 1 to 17. Listen, have a great Thursday. I think it's going to rain. Uh, so stay dry, stay in the word, and, and stay faithful. I love you guys so much. Have a great, great Thursday. I'll see you tomorrow.